And we see you too, Mom. Come on, give it up for the moms. Amen. So glad you guys are here today to celebrate Mother's Day. I know many of our folks are with their moms and their churches, and it's just one of those kinds of days. And I know it's a bittersweet day for many uh, people, but as we honor the moms in our lives, the biological moms, the adoptive moms, the stepmoms, the, 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 the spiritual moms, as we honor them today, we are the ones ultimately that are blessed it's the one commandment of God with a promise, and so we honor them. The Apostle Paul understood how special mother love was, uh, and the reason I know that is because when he wanted to communicate to the church at Thessalonica how much he loved them, that the example he used was the mother love example. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, as apostles of Christ, we could have used our authority over you, but we were very gentle with you like a mother caring for her little children because we loved you. He wanted them to understand how much he loved them, so he used mother love as the example. And so we honor our moms today. I wonder um, if you'd indulge me just a moment. Uh, because the mother of my children can't be here today. She's watching online. Hey, Kim. Um, and I got to tell you how much I love you. Many of you know that uh, we lost our oldest son a year and a half ago, and Kim is taking care of the grandkids in Virginia most of the time, most of the time, and she's home some weekends and, and is able to be with us when she's not. She's watching online. And uh, so her mothering duties continue even though our sons are grown and I just love her so very very much thank you for being the mother and grandmother that you are and the spiritual mom to so many thank you for who you are can, can we just pause one more time and bless all of the moms in our lives can we just do that We're in a series that we've been calling Church Is, and we've been talking about this idea of some of the stereotypes that the churches have fallen into, the ideas that people have. In fact, George Barner Research Group <coughs> did a survey some time ago, and they, they identified people that were unchurched, and they asked them, why do you think most people don't go to church? Now, they didn't really know why most people didn't go, but they knew the real reason why they didn't go. So if, if you were an unchurched person and I asked you, why don't you go to church, uh, then you you would say something that makes you look good. You know, well, it's my only day with my family or something like that. But if I say, why don't most people go, then the pressure is off of you, but you can, so you can tell me what's really going on with you. And, and they identified four things, four or five things that, uh, that people said about church that made them go, eh, I don't think I care about going. And, and these are stereotypes that, quite frankly, we've earned in a lot of ways, and we want to challenge them. We want to remove the barriers. And so on the first Sunday we talked about, well, I would go to church, but they're full of hypocrites. I've never quite understood why they don't say that about grocery stores. I mean, uh, used to shop at Food Line, but last time I was there, it was crawling with hypocrites. I ain't going back there no more. I don't know why they do that. But anyway, that's what they said. Last week, of course, Pastor Ryan was here. Did you guys enjoy Pastor Ryan? Awesome guy. Of course, he leads our goals for a location, and, uh, uh, and he, he and I swapped pulpits last Sunday, and I, it was great for me to get back to Goldsboro because I started my journey with the bridge as an interim pastor over there and excited to be back and visit with them. Today, over, as we move forward, we're going to be talking about this idea that churches are unfriendly. Uh, we're going to land on churches irrelevant. There's nothing going on at church that has nothing to do with me, and we're going to challenge that idea. Uh, but today, I want to talk about this idea that, that seems to be prevalent, and quite frankly, it's becoming more and more prevalent among people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. 
And it's the idea that, well, you know, I can be a Christian without going to church. Church is just a building. Church is just an event. Church is just a thing you go to. Uh, And so I I don't really need to do that. I'm a spiritual person. I have a relationship with Jesus. I don't really have to be a part of the church. And so what I want to do is kind of challenge that stereotype this morning, but perhaps more importantly, as I've done every week in the series, I want us to ask ourselves the question, uh, is there something we've done to earn that idea, that stereotype? And more importantly, is there something we can do to begin to break that barrier down Because while not everybody's going to come to church, not everybody's going to become a part of the church, uh, we don't want the barrier to be us. Can I get an amen in the house? We don't want us to be the ones that are standing in the way. So so today we're going to talk about this idea the church is just a building. Church is just an event. Church is just something you go to, and I don't have to go to that in order to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So let me just set it up for you. I want you to imagine this morning that I'm an attorney. And that I am going, I've been charged with stating my case to the court of public opinion. And my, my case is why the church can't be a building, why the church can't be an event that you attend. I, I'm going to give you four pieces of evidence that I think will irrefutably present with a, beyond a reasonable doubt this idea that it's got to be more than that. But in the process of doing that, I want us to ask ourselves, how are we doing? I want us to ask ourselves as a church, as as the bridge, Princeton, how how are we doing in this area of what is the church really all about? And of course, who's the church? Am I the church? I'm as much part as you are, but guess who the church is? Say, Say, come on, here we go. We are. Look at somebody and say, he's talking about us. We are the church which really in my opening statement in this court of public opinion is church can't be a building or an event because church isn't an it at all. It's a we. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. He's not talking about brick and mortar buildings, is he? He said, the power of death will not be able to defeat my church. The power of death, the gates of hell, some translations say. He's he's saying that this is not only a group of people that I am building, but it's an eternal group of people. The Greek word is ekklesia that literally means the called ones, the assembly. It's a group of people. Church is not an it at all. It is a we. So what I want to do is I want to present to you four pieces of evidence to suggest the kind of we we should be. And again, I want us to ask ourselves the question, how are we doing? How are we doing as a church? How are you doing as an individual follower of Jesus Christ to make sure that we're removing those barriers that keep people from being a part of the church? Let's get into it. The Bible, first of all, says that we are a family We're a family. Ask any mom, and she will tell you immediately, a house is not automatically a home. It's just a building where families live. Can I get an amen in the house? It becomes a home when families do life together there. That's what happens. When Kim and I were in the Philippines throughout the 80s, she had an embroidery thing on the wall of the house, and, and I used to see it constantly. It was so important uh, to us as we were away from family on the other side of the planet, and it just simply said, home is where you hang your memories. Because that's what home ultimately is. It's not a building, it's a we, it's a family. Look at what the scriptures say about the church. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, you are members of God's very own, what's the word? Family, and you belong in God's household with every 
other Christian. In other words, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you get a heavenly father, but you also get a whole bunch of brothers and sisters. You become a part of a family. With all of its messiness. Anybody here have a messy family? God bless that hand, I see that hand. You know, ups and downs and ins and outs, and sometimes you want to hug their necks. Sometimes you want to hug their necks. I mean, that's family. That's what family does. That's what family's all about. Sometimes we can't stand each other, but we can't live without each other. And then other times, man, we're just so glad to be together. I mean, that's what, that's the nature of family. And God said that's what the church is. It's a family. Here's how the Apostle John said it in, in 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Whoa. You talk about family. Is he talking about taking a bullet for each other? Maybe. But you know, in all honesty, in my experience, I I, I haven't seen too many Christians, at least in America, who take a bullet for each other. But I do see us being challenged on a given day uh, with the idea of whether we will give up what we prefer to do with our lives over what our family needs us to do with our lives. Hello? We're challenged all the time. I mean, a neighbor is in trouble, but I'd really rather be home watching Carolina Beach State. I mean, just that's what I'd rather be doing. You guys are just not even awake this morning, are you? I just knew I'd get crucified for that one. You know, I understand bridge kids needs help, but I'd just rather not get involved in that. It's just, kids are hard. Kids are messy. Kids are whatever. I'd just rather not do that. Or it's not convenient to do that. Well, this is what family does. It's, it's looking around, seeing needs, and helping, whether it's convenient or not. Like a family in our church right now that I've learned about, they saw another family in our church who's got some medical issues going on, a lot of financial issues related to that, so they decided they'd put on a yard sale to raise money to help them. And then the word got out, and other families in the church are starting to pitch in to be a part of this yard sale. It's not a ministry of the church organized by the staff of the church. It's not even being held at this facility, this location. It's just one family in in the family, helping another family in the family, and other families coming alongside to help. That's laying down your life. This past week at our Mount Olive location, group of uh, guys got together to help a single lady in the church family, and in the process of doing some cleaning in her backyard, one of them got bit by a copperhead. That's laying down your life. <laughs> he survived, by the way. He survived. He's fine. The world looks on that kind of unselfishness and says, why would they do that? That doesn't compute for me. And Paul tells us why in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. He said it's because in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. I need you to hear me say that flies in the face of this common notion that I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Somehow church is just a building or it's just an event that you go to. It flies in the face of that. I, I, I don't disagree. Going to church does not make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. I mean, it's just like the guy I heard about coming out of Sunday service and the pastor grabbed him by the arm and said, man, you need to join the army of the Lord. And the guy said, well, I'm already in the army of the Lord, pastor. The pastor said, well, then how come I only see you at Christmas and Easter? And he leaned in and said, Because I'm in the secret service. (laughs) 
What am I telling you? I'm telling you the Bible is clear. There's no such thing as a 007 Christian. No such thing. Believers are belongers. Belonging shows that I believe. Why can't the church be a building, an event? Because we're a family. So how are we doing? How is the Bridge Princeton doing in this family dynamic? Perhaps more importantly, how are how are you doing? Treating church like a family rather than just an event you attend. Well, I, I hear you, Jim. I, I'd love to, to belong. I'd love to have those kind of in-depth relationships. But I don't know how I come to this room and there's you know, hundreds of people in here. And I, I, you know, I can't meet people at this level. No, you can't. I, I mean, if, if you think somehow that's going to happen, it isn't. It, it can't go beyond superficial. Three minutes before the service and three minutes after the service. Hi, how are you? Good to see you again. When Pastor Jared says, hey, greet somebody. It's, hey, man, good to see you. I'm glad we do that kind of stuff. But you've got to go beyond that point in order to be family. You've got to spend time together. And the way we do that around here is we join one of the serve teams that fits our gifts, talents, and interests, or we join a bridge group or both. This is promotion month for bridge groups. And so let me challenge you right now. Go to the website. Go to the app. Click on bridge groups. You'll, have a, you'll see a list of either 50-some groups now, I think. And just pick the topic. Pick the night of the week. There, there's, there's men's groups and women's groups and co-ed groups and groups with kids and groups without kids and all kinds of subject. Everything you can imagine is available to you. You just got to sign up and get involved. And that's how you begin to connect with one another on a deeply personal level. The Bible says church can't be a building because it's not an it, it's a we. And one of those things is we are a family. Got it? Got it? If you ain't got it, I'm going to explain it some more. (laughs) Got it? All right. Number two is we're a network of gifts and talents. We are a family, but we're also a network of gifts and talents. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 from the NIV, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Who's we and us? We already established, but I just want to make sure we're tracking. Who's we and us? Us. I am. You are. We are this group of people, and we have different gifts. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I see two critical pieces of information in that one passage of Scripture. Number one is that our family is incredibly gifted in so many different kinds of ways. That's that's seven gifts Listed in that one passage, I've studied the Scriptures, and I've identified 31 different gifts, either directly or indirectly stated in Scripture, that can become an area of service, an area of involvement, where you network with one another, which is the second thing I see in here. So once you discover what your gifts are, you actually do that. What a concept. This is if, you, if, if your gift is teaching, then what should you be doing? It's not a trick question. Got to be teaching. If your gift is music, what should you be doing? You should be playing music or singing songs. You should be using that gift. Um, as I've gotten older, I've been a worship leader and a singer uh, all of my life, but as I've gotten older, my, my voice doesn't have the quality it had when I was 40. But every now and then you'll see me come out and say, Jared, I just got to sing. I got to use this gift. So I'll walk out and join the praise team and join in. I usually turn my mic off 
because I ain't singing for you. I'm singing for him and he can hear it. But he's got to do it. Why? Because he gave me this gift. I, I'm not going to stand before him and, and say, well, you know, I got a little bit older. My voice wasn't pristine as it used to be, so I quit. No, that's not how it works. Many of you know that Kim and I moved back to Goldsboro three years ago, having been gone for 40 years, planning to retire. I mean, that, we came home to retire and take care of our mamas. That's what we came home to do. And lo and behold, here I am, leading the largest church in Wayne County. How did I get here? How in the world did I get here? Because when the gift is there, you use the gift when the opportunity presents itself. Is this making sense? My point is that when you're part of the family of God, uh, belonging has to mean more than I like that church put my name on the roll. Well, that that, that preacher makes sense. I think I'm going to go hear him some more. Well, that that preacher's good looking. I want to go look at him. Well, I know that's what you're thinking, but. Thank you very much. In Scripture, belonging means that you're not just a spectator, you are a participator. You're not just a consumer, you're a contributor. You're not just along for the ride, you're part of the crew. You're serving as you're being served, you're loving as you're being loved, you're celebrating as you're being celebrated. We are a family made up with a network of gifts, each one contributing our part to the whole. Church is a we, it's not an it. It's a family, it's a network. Number three, we are ambassadors. We're we're ambassadors. Now, what does an ambassador do? Anybody know? You know what they are, right? What does an ambassador do? He goes out to other parts of the world and represents the leader back home. And so the ambassador speaks for the president wherever he happens to be ambassador, whether it's the UN or one of the European nations or African nations, wherever he is, he goes out and represents the leader. Hear me, you can't send a building anywhere, right? Therefore, it can't be a building. On the night before Jesus went into that series of illegal trials and ultimately was beaten to the point of death and carried his own rugged cross up a hill until he collapsed under the loss of blood and exhaustion. Somebody had to carry the last bit of the way for him. And uh, just before all of that happened, Jesus found himself praying, knowing what was coming. He got alone in the garden and began to pray, knowing what was ahead. And so I can promise you that in that moment, knowing what he was about to face, the Bible says that he, he, he prayed and his sweat became like drops of blood. We're talking intense prayer. We're not talking about reciting the Lord's Prayer. We're not talking about saying a nursery rhyme. We're talking about agonizing before the Father. Ultimately, he said, not my will, yours be done. But part of his prayer was for you. Part of his prayer was for you. In that moment, he thought of you. John 17 Verses 15 and 18, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm sending them out. I want you to protect them as they go. So it's not just a family that cares for the family. It's not just a group of people with diverse gifts who network their gifts for the sake of one another. It is, in fact, a family that goes out into the world and makes a difference in the world. 
He's asking the Father to make us the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Father, send them to be Jesus in the world. Oh, come on, Jim. That's a catchy phrase, but I can't be Jesus. Can't you? If he sent you to be Jesus, why can't you be Jesus? If he challenged you to go and be his ambassador, why can't you be? Because you see, when an ambassador for the United States speaks to a foreign power somewhere else, he's speaking as though the president himself were there speaking. So when we go forth sent by Jesus, we represent him to the people that we engage, and we've been sent out to do that. And I'm here to tell you guys, you don't have to be part of some organization to make a huge difference in people's lives. You can do it all by yourself. There are so many stories over the years of people that I've watched take this seriously and accept the mantle of being an ambassador of Jesus Christ wherever they go and, and God building a passion into their lives to the point that they made a difference. But my absolute favorite, the most emotional example I know of is the Glory Balbin story. Some of you read my book. It's in the bookstore. Chapter 1 tells Glory's story in detail. I don't have time to unpack it in detail here. But Glory was a 19-year-old girl, 4 feet 11, 85 pounds. Graduated from the Bible college that, uh, that I started uh, in the Philippines. And, uh, and at graduation time, we trained all of our students to plant a church. And so by the time they graduated from Bible college, we had a conversation. The board had a conversation with each student and said, okay, where do you want to plant your church? That was, they knew that was coming. And so it was a church planting organization. That's what we did is we trained them for that. And so we sat down with Miss Glory and said, where do you want to plant your church? And she said, uh, and she actually teared up and said, uh, uh, God's called me to go to Isabella Province. Well, that doesn't mean anything to most of you, but, uh, but Isabella Province at the time, this is in the mid-'80s, uh, was one of the most dangerous parts of the nation. Uh, there were New People's Army communist guerrilla groups there. There were headhunters in Ifugao just across the border. It was an incredibly dangerous and incredibly dark, poor part of the nation. And so I, being the spirit giant, spiritual giant that I am, uh, <clears throat> talked her out of going. I said, oh, come on, Gloria, thank you for your heart. But, you know, you're just this long, young little wisp of a girl. Why don't you take a year and intern in one of the churches close by, and, and then if, if that passion's still there a year from now, we'll, we'll help you get there. And so uh, I'm embarrassed to tell you that's what happened, but that's exactly what happened. And she said, okay. And she went and interned for a year in a local church, and a year later she made an appointment with the board and came back and said, okay, can I go to Isabella now? And I started in, well, you know, it's a dangerous place, and it's a lot of poverty and a lot of sickness there. And, you know, there's a single lady going. And she just started to cry. She said, I don't think you understand. I got to go. I need your blessing. I need your help. But I'm going whether you give it or not because I got to go. I've been sent by God to make a difference there. And so she humbled me, and I apologized, and we offered her what little bit of help we could, and we put her on a bus with a little backpack and a guitar and sent her off the 15-hour trip to Isabella. She rented a little Nipah hut, started working in the public market, living in the village, about 160 souls in the village of Malalinta. In time, she started building enough friends that she was 
given permission to invite the children over to her little Nipa hut on Saturday mornings, and she started teaching them Christmas uh, Christian carols and, and choruses. And at Christmas time, she put on a little Christmas pageant and got all the families together, and, and they came and watched their children sing as she introduced them to Jesus for the first time. After a year of living there, she invited us to come and do an evangelistic crusade. We got permission from the elder of the village. Lots more details that I won't go into, but we came and we did a 10-day crusade and all but three people in that village gave their lives to Christ during that week. We did a water baptism in the Magot River and 162 souls were baptized in that river that day. Rocked that town, rocked that region. Glory became the pastor of that new, brand new church. Other people started coming from the villages around when they heard what was going on in Malalenta. And they would walk, they would hike, they would ride motorcycles, they would ride on Carabao to come and be a part of the little Malalenta church. And they were introduced to Jesus and went home to their villages and began to start churches. It was a dark place. It was a poor place. Every year they had one rice crop a year and every year the crop would run out uh, before the next harvest was ready to be gathered. And so there were uh, two to three months of starvation every year. 25 years went by. Kim and I came back to the States. We started the church in Chesapeake, but always I wanted to go back to Isabella. I'd hear good reports from what was going on, but I never got a chance to visit again. 25 years went by, and I finally said to the, to the leaders in the Philippines, I have got to go to Isabella. Well, Jim, it's a hard trip. I know. I got to go to Isabella. And so Kim and I flew over, took a couple of friends with us. We got in a bus, and we rode. We went to Isabella. As we're riding up the road to get into Malalenta, I noticed, just out of the corner of my eye, I noticed that the rice fields were full and rich. And I commented to Joseph Benigno, my Filipino companion and leader, I said, Joseph, it's not rainy season. How, how are they growing rice? And he said, oh, uh, they, put a they put an irrigation system in tied to the Magat River, and so now they have irrigation, and so now they have two and a half crops of rice a year. Wow. Well, I guess they don't starve every year anymore. And he said, oh, no, no, no. They're exporting rice to other parts of the country now. Oh, wow, that's cool. We get closer to the village, and it's this little tiny village of 160 people. Now it's grown into a small town of five or 600 people. And I'm going, wow, this thing's really improved. Something's going on here. They drove up on the grounds of the elementary school. They had their own elementary school, and they drove up on the grounds of the elementary school, and I couldn't contain the tears anymore because there were 100 children lined up in, that, uh, in, the, in the parade grounds of that school with glockenspiels and drums playing music for us. I was overwhelmed by the response that I saw. The principal of the school, young lady in her 30s, came over to me and she said, Oh, sir, you prayed with me to receive Jesus when I was six. And now all of these children know Jesus. And we have chapel every Monday. Today there are 25 churches in that region. Glory married Ellie, and together they've been a church planting juggernaut, just planting churches all over that region. It's been a revival in Isabella province over the years since, and there's a part of the story that I didn't tell you, and that is when Glory invited us to come to hold that evangelistic crusade, the elder of the village said no. 
He said, no, 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 I, I, don't, I don't want them here. What we later found out is that he was in control of all of the alcohol and gambling and prostitution of the region, and he didn't want us there because he was afraid he'd lose his business. But the parents prevailed upon him because of glory, because of what glory had done with the kids. They finally kind of pressured him into letting us come. And so the first night of that crusade, it was tense because we were told the elder doesn't want you here. And understand the elder in that region, had the, he had the power to kill us if he wanted to. And we knew that was the potential. And so we sat on that stage tense, not knowing what's going to happen. Fast forward 25 years later, the elders saved, his wife saved, places changed, and I get no credit. My team gets no credit. The professionals got no credit. It changed because glory said, I've been sent. I have to go. And she just loved them. That's all. She wasn't a professional. She wasn't an orator. She just loved them. And when she said, hey, I want my friends to come to preach the gospel, they said, well, we don't know who they are, but we love you. And if you love them, maybe they're okay, so we'll let them come. And Jesus walked across the bridge that Gloria Baldwin built and changed that part of the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Hear me, guys. Buildings can't do that. That doesn't happen in an event or a given time. That happens when a family begins to network their gifts and talents and abilities and recognize that we've not just been brought together to serve one another. We've been brought together to, to look outward and serve the people around us. We're not just saying, y'all, come to church. We're going to go be the church. The, the early church got it, Acts chapter 2, verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How do you get the favor of a community that doesn't know Jesus? You don't do it by having great music because they already got great music. You don't, you don't have it by having wonderful buildings. They already got great buildings. You do it when they see an unselfishness, when they see a love in you that they don't see anywhere else, and they're attracted to that love. And they're attracted to that family and that belonging and that closeness. And the result is they meet Jesus. That's what happened in the early church. The apostle Paul certainly understood this passion. Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he said, Life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others about the good news of God's kindness and love. The man who once tried to imprison Christians just for believing in Jesus is now giving his very life for as many people as possible to hear about the good news. And all of it came out of the master's heart who laid in his time on earth, stood on a hillside overlooking Jerusalem, his hometown. And he said in Matthew 23, 37, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Many times I wanted to gather your people as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you did not let me. I don't hear anger. I don't hear judgment. I don't hear a mean spirit. I hear a brokenness. I said, I came to just love you, but you wouldn't let me. I'm trying to love on you, but you won't let me. I hear brokenness from that that defines this family that we become a part of when we commit our lives to Jesus Christ. Hear me, guys. Church can't just be a building. 
It can't just be an event that we go to because buildings and events can't do those things. Church is a family. Church is a network of gifts and talents and abilities, serving as we're being served, loving as we're being loved. Church is an ambassador who goes out to become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to the world. So how are we doing at the Bridge Princeton? We've got a group downtown feeding the homeless right now on this cloudy day. That's pretty good. But more importantly, how are you doing? Being the hands and feet of Jesus in the community. One more evidence. I'm trying to make a case here. One more evidence and I'll hush. Church can't be a building because at the end of the day we're loved. We are loved by the God of the universe. Hear me. You can't love a building. Oh, you can be proud of a building. Sure. But we're proud of our building. Uh, We take good care of it. Pastor Jim Gilligan and his team work hard to make sure this place stays clean and well-maintained, and we're proud of it. We love it when when other churches come and say, hey, can we tour your building so we can get some ideas because we're about to to go into a building process ourselves. We love that, and we love to walk them through and show them and answer their questions. We love that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, Jesus doesn't love this building. He loves you, us, we. Ephesians 5.25, Christ loved the church. Christ died for the church. The church is not an it. It's a we. And that's us. So how are we doing? I got to close, but, but I said all that to just Here's here's my summation. I'm the attorney trying to make a case here. My closing argument is simply this. I love this place. I love this place. I told you, I came home to retire. I was going to piddle in my workshop. I was going to, I've been doing this almost 50 years. It's time for me to rest, right? But when I got a chance to be here, serve with you guys, who's going to pass that up? I love this place. I want you to find what I've found. I want you to experience what I experience every day, being a part of a family, being a part of, 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 I got strengths and weaknesses, but the other people around me have strengths and weaknesses, and together we accomplish more than we ever could apart, but together we're not just serving one another, we're serving the community around us. If this is the place, if this is the local expression of the body of Christ that God's called you to be a part of, then roll up your sleeves and get in. Don't just attend events. Don't just come to the building on Sunday. I beg you, get involved. Be a part. Serve as you're being served. Love as you're being loved. Celebrate as you're being celebrated. And if this isn't it, well, there are other God-honoring, Jesus-loving churches in the area. Go find one that fits for you and get in. But don't water it down to, I went to church. Because church is not an it, something you go to. It's a we. It's a us. It's a family. So if you're not an owner of the bridge yet, I want you to get your Connect card in your hand right now. In fact, I want all of you to get your Connect card in your hand right now. Let's pick it up. 
Pastor Andy said, hold on to it at the end because I want to challenge you today. I want us to make this meaningful. If you're not an owner, there's a box on there that says become an owner. It's on the back side, top right corner. Check that box. Ownership class is this coming Sunday. May 19th, if you can't do that one, we'll get you in the next one. But, but say, I want to become an owner. I want to be a part of this. I don't want to be on the fringes. I want to get in. I want to, be, I want to get in, in the heart of all of this thing. I want to roll up my sleeves and be a part of it. Check ownership. You can text ownership, the word ownership, to 55498 if you want to. Or you can go to the website or to the app. There's lots of ways to do it, but let us know. Get into that class next Sunday if there's any way possible. Become a part of it. If you honestly say, I'm not sure that I, I'm part of the family because I'm not sure I have a relationship with Jesus, then don't leave here without it. I told you that Paul, when he wanted to communicate to the church at Thessalonica uh, that, uh, what love looked like he used a mom, well, God did the same thing. In Isaiah 49, 15, he said, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on her child as she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. You understand what he's saying? He's saying as inconceivable as it is, if it were possible that a mother could forget that she has a child right in the middle of nursing that child. That's obviously absurd, but if that, if that could happen, even if it could, I, God says, will never forget you because I love you. And I sent my son to die for you so that you could have a relationship both with me and with my family. If you've never made that commitment, please don't leave here without making it. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and said, I want a relationship with the Father who loves me and with the brothers and sisters custom designed for me, don't leave this room without it. In fact, pray with me now. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we get to be a part of this exciting thing called the church. Thank you that the church is the instrument that you chose to make a difference in the world. Governments don't change hearts. Educational systems don't change hearts. They play an important role, but at the end of the day, only Jesus can change a heart. Thank you that we get to be a part of your body the body of Christ. For anyone here today that you're not sure you are a part of the body, then would you pray a simple prayer with me? It's just a beginning. It's a spiritual journey before you, but would you pray this prayer, Jesus? I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be isolated. I want to be a part of a family. I got gifts. I got talents. I've got abilities. I want to do something meaningful with my life. I want to make a difference in the world. Yeah, and I want to reach out beyond myself and stretch my comfort zone. I, I want to do that. So would you accept me? Forgive me. Give me a fresh start today with you at the helm and me linked arm in arms with the rest of the family of God. Father, you see who's praying, They're praying in their own words, but you see them. 
And I pray that each one of us would take that step in your direction. No matter where we were in relationship with you before we got here this morning, we've taken a step in your direction right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want to know that too. There's a place on your card. You can accept it, Christ, or just write me a note, something. Let me know. The ushers are going to be on your door, on the door on your way out. Just drop those cards in the basket as you go. Let us know that you were here. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Maybe you just got a prayer need. You didn't pray those prayers, but you got a prayer need. Let us know. Write them on the card. Drop them in the basket, okay? Would you stand with me this morning? My prayer is you go out and have a great Mother's Day. I know it, it can be a, a, an emotional day on many different kinds of levels. I hope that you're able to celebrate uh, the lady that gave you life and the mom's adoptive step, biological and spiritual in your life. That you can celebrate them and give them appreciation for who they are. Father, take us from this place. Bring us together again to the appointed time. And between now and then, remind us that we are your family in relationship with one another with gifts and talents and abilities that we network with one another and then get sent out as your ambassadors to the world. And all of that, we are loved by Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. The altars are open, guys. There's people here that would love to pray with you. Please don't leave here without receiving prayer for whatever's going on in your life. We'll see you next Sunday.